Moving Iron Podcast Tax Moves with Glenn Burnbaum. Glenn is with Sickich, and Glenn has been on the podcast um, several times, um, especially during this whole PPP thing. Um, might recognize Glenn from um, what used to be Heidel Banhort, and they've merged together with Sickich, and now they've become the um, same, same great service that you've always grown to love and know. So, Glenn, how you been, buddy? Good, Casey. We uh, just just wrapped up the October fifteenth deadline, so that's always a big day for yeah tax people to finally put the hopefully put the tax season to bed. So yeah, you've had a uh, you have quite you had quite the adventure this tax season, didn't you? For sure, yeah. Working from home and all the all yeah. the new, new laws and stuff, but uh, keeps you keeps you employed, I guess. So. Yeah, it does do that. All right, so let's talk about a few things here. So you you sent me some stuff here on some new forms that are coming out. A lot of it revolving around um, PPP and a few other things that have been out there and, and what this looks like and how these all these things work. So let's start with the um, Form 3508S. That is the uh, PPP loans for under $50,000 and what needs to be done there. So let's start there, talk about that a little bit. And, and yeah. first off, let's lay out the groundwork here. So <clears throat> there's two different categories, right? There's those that got over $2 million and those that got under $2 million, correct? Right. Yep. And so how those break out or how you report those two things, those $2 amounts, whether you're, whether you're on either side of that number is dynamically different, correct? Yeah. Well, I mean, the you know basically the SBA has indicated that anybody with a loan over $2 million, which um, we believe would include, you know, maybe related companies that might, you know, individually not have a loan over $2 million, but together combined, it's over $2 million, you know, that there's going to be some sort of review or even like an audit process on these to, to really look at the um, making sure that, you know, the borrower is eligible for the PPP loan is, is I think one of the principal things they're looking at. So if you're over $2 million, there's definitely going to be a higher scrutiny on things. But then there's always been talk about, well, what if you're under a certain threshold, you know, maybe things will be, you know, super simple to apply and, and receive the forgiveness. Okay. So that's where some of these new forms come in. Okay. So let's talk about the 3508S. Yeah. So we've had the 30, we've had the regular 3508 and the 3508EZ for, uh, I think since the end of June is, is my recollection, but this 3508S came out in uh, early October. And basically, that is for borrowers under $50,000. Um, that it's an even simpler form than the 3508 easy form. And uh, basically, uh, you don't have to worry about computations regarding uh, if you had a more than 25% salary reduction or wage reduction for an employee or if you had a headcount reduction. You're basically exempted out from, from those two rules. Um, that were designed to, you know, basically make sure you didn't, I guess, you know, take the PPP money and 
lay off, you know, yeah, all people. your people yeah. or just cut everybody back because you were trying to, you know, maybe I'll try to keep my head count high, but I'll just cut everybody's payback. Mm-hmm. You know, my experience is, you know, I don't know that that happened to anybody that I'm, I'm aware of, but <clears throat> so this S form just makes it easier that you don't, you don't even have to do the calculations to see if you had a 25% pay cut or this headcount reduction, you just are automatically okay. But they still do require you to fill out a form and, you know, answer some questions and put down the dollars you spent on payroll and rent and, and those type of things. So right. it's not quite as, uh, you know, there was talk about like a rubber stamp kind of concept that, hey, if you're under 150000 was the was the buzz. Under 150000 you'd just be a rubber stamp, you know, mm-hmm. you don't even have to really worry about anything. So they they dropped it from one hundred and fifty to fifty thousand, and then made it a little more, you know, a few more requirements than maybe people thought. So so that's where this S form comes into play. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So and I believe there's, uh, you know, over. I mean, there's around five million of these PPP loans, roughly, mm-hmm. a little over that, and I think like three and a half million, almost three point six million, or under fifty thousand. So it covered, you know, from a quantity standpoint, it's it's going to cover a lot of. Right. Okay. So the first payment is due 10 months after the end of the covered period, correct? So yeah. did they ever settle on that? Is it eight weeks, 24 weeks? You can still, you okay. can choose your eight or your 24. Okay. Um, yeah. The reason why I, I want to mention this 10 month thing is um, probably, I don't know, it's been a few weeks ago now, but there were some banks that, you know, were kind of sending out notices that, hey, here's when your payment is due. And it really wasn't when the payment was due because they've changed the rules so many times, right? The, and if you weren't kind of following things or right. maybe your software wasn't updating. So generally speaking, it's going to be the latest it can be is going to be 10 months after the end of your covered period. So okay. Um, so we, we've still got quite a bit of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just know that. But yeah, there it was a story a few weeks ago that maybe a few banks had kind of, you know, erroneously sent out a maybe they're wrong when the payments start but but the loan document the thing is Casey the loan document would have indicated that you know it wouldn't have said hey your first payment is due 10 months after you know it, it complied with the rules at the time the loan was you know, issued you know probably in April mm-hmm. so it's really you know the banks have a hard time and then legally how do you work that so so yeah just know that it's if you don't apply for forgiveness you know um, because you're waiting you know it's going to be 10 months after the end of the covered period. And a lot of people's covered period might have ended here, you know, the end of September as a, you know, sometimes a little bit before that, but somewhere in that time frame. So still a number of months to go before, before it's really going to have that first payment. And obviously, hopefully most people now that it went from an eight week covered period to a 24 week covered period, you know, it's pretty likely that you're going to get 100% forgiveness, right? I mean, that's the mm-hmm. goal of this. So, you right. know, you don't have to worry about a payment, obviously, if, if it's 100% forgiven. Right. Okay. So, talk about, this is a question I have. So, how when you do your 2021 or 2020 taxes, right, and you're you're sitting looking at everything, this loan, and you get this forgiveness month, how, did they ever decide how they were going to incorporate that no. into your tax structure? It's still, you know, yeah, well, that's a good reminder. So in the law, it was very clear that the forgiveness of the loan, you know, would not be considered taxable income. In other words, kind of the cancellation of the debt is not considered taxable income. Mm-hmm. Um, and so everyone was, okay, yeah, it's not, this isn't, this money, you know, that's received is not going to be taxable. Um, 
But then the IRS came out with a notice, notice 2020-32, that said, okay, well, yeah, the loan's not taxable. We'll buy that. But then any expenses that you paid, you know, with that loan money, under this this rule, you know, an existing rule in the code, they, they think, you know, hey, those expenses aren't deductible. So then, you know, if, if an expense is deductible, effectively, you know, it makes the, the loan taxable. Mm-hmm. So... Um, potentially we're kind of right back to, no, the, the loan is taxable. Um, but, you know, there's been no further guidance on this. Congress is maybe supposed to fix this in one of these, you know, new new bills. Um, that's obviously not gone anywhere here. So we're still in this kind of holding period of, you know, what, what should you do if you're looking to make tax estimates or how do you do your planning? Um, but at this point, you know, it's, I think, you've got to start getting your expectations that hey i may have to pay income tax on this ppp loan money i mean i you know mm-hmm. we have we still have some time hopefully some, something will change but but it's kind of a backdoor way to making the loan taxable so it is but it isn't is what you're telling me guys yes. and, and there'll be you know there'll be you know i mean there'll be lawyers and you know people that'll that are definitely gonna you know contest this i mean it'll mm-hmm. take several years to run this through the courts, you know, if, if there's not clarity on this. So we're still, you know, waiting and, but we are advising clients that, Hey, you know, just be prepared. You know, it may be something that we do have to show it as income. Um, at least that's the IRS's position. And then, you know, the other thing with it is, is there a timing question about, well, well, if I don't apply for forgiveness, you know, maybe I can deduct the expenses in 2020 because I haven't actually received the official forgiveness. And then, you know, in 2021, I might have to pick that back up as income, or maybe I have to amend my return. And so that's kind of a timing question, right? And the IRS has not provided any more uh, guidance on that kind of timing question either. But you know, it's—I mean, if you're an accrual basis taxpayer, and we've we've talked about tax methods over the you know last couple of years, Casey. You know, if you've incurred those expenses in 2020, there may be a position that says, hey, you know, it doesn't really matter when you officially receive forgiveness, we're going to treat those expenses as non-deductible. So, so that's a, that's definitely an open item. Now, for, for a, a pure Schedule F farmer that really doesn't, um, doesn't, didn't have any employees, no wages, and, you know, you just received the loan based on, you know, your Schedule F income, if you remember that, there was some question about how that works for self-employed people. They said, hey, you're going to look at your Schedule F income or, you know, for non-farmers, your Schedule C income. A little bit uncertain, but there's really no expense you're paying, right, Casey? It's not, you know, and so a lot of people believe, well, hey, a Schedule F farmer that has no wages, they got a pure PPP money that was, uh, the max loan was about $20,000 that, there's probably a decent position. Again, you got to consult your tax advisor here, right? We're not, you know, giving tax advice, but I don't have to to spend money and pay my employees in order to get that twenty thousand dollars forgiven. It's just kind of like automatically forgiven based on my prior year schedule F. So there's there's a possibility that you know certain taxpayers the PPP money may not be taxable, which probably isn't the fairest thing, right? I mean, you think it should be consistent across taxpayers, so. So Congress has got a few things to look at to try to kind of cure this, mm-hmm. um, if you know, if they so desire. So, yeah, <clears throat> probably yeah, more than you want. We yeah. we know we know how that's going to work out, Glenn. Yeah. So it's going to work out well for everyone involved, I'm sure. All right. So let's talk about 
a couple other things just because we're at that point of the year here where guys are getting their 2020 stuff kind of rounded up for <clears throat> as guys sit back and start taking a look at what they've harvested and start talking to their accountants about moving forward with some different different uh, tax strategies and what have you um there were multiple payments that came out in 2020 to help help the uh ag industry along as as we limped through this uh, coronavirus thing so you had mfp payments you had ppp you had um ah what's the other one glenn i'm trying to blank here cfap, CFAP. i don't know why i can't remember that that's the easiest one to remember but i can't remember that one so you've got those, you get all those things kind of lumped together and they smash those things together. What are the tax implications of those payments and as far as profitability goes? Well, I mean, you know, number one, they are taxable payments. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like you can, we've talked about this over the years, you know, the crop insurance or something, there are ways to possibly defer the payment. Mm-hmm. Even, or, you know, even if you take receive the insurance money and in one year, you can push it off till the next year. If, if you can show that, you know, that's how you normally you know, take your grain sales, these, you know, you can't do that with this stuff. So this will be taxable. Um, you know, it, the, the number one thing is just, you know, try to get your books caught up, right. And, mm-hmm. and know what, know what your current, you know, cash basis income is most farmers are on the cash basis. But then, you know, what I always try to stress is where, where it's possible to really have a good sense of what your inventory is too, right. Your harvest, right. Finished harvest or close. Cause you kind of got to look at the big picture and not just, you know, if you're carrying over a lot of grain and things and you're maybe nearing retirement, you know, as an example, you know, hey, do I want to possibly try to spread out, you know, the income a little better now? There are, you know, there are ways with farm income averaging to do that. But, you know, you just you, you want to have the full picture and not just just a part picture. So certainly just number one is just get your books up to date and see where you're sitting at. And don't forget about, you know, these these payments. Um and then, you know, we'll probably talk about this maybe on the next podcast, you know, after the election here is, you know, what what might the future be bringing in terms of tax rates, you know. And so that's always a consideration. But particularly this this year is, you know, what, what should you do um, from an income tax perspective? Certain states, you know, here in Illinois, there's a um, something going to be on the on the ballot regarding a constitutional amendment to, 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 you know, to change the income tax from a flat tax to a more of a you know, um, accelerated tax where the higher, higher income people will pay a higher rate in that. So that's, that's a consideration. You know, obviously you got the federal, federal, the prospects of the federal rates going up. Um, something we haven't talked about a lot cases, even just the state tax things that, um, I believe the estate taxes now it's the, the exemption is 11.7 million just came out yesterday for 2021, 11.7 million per person. So it's pretty large. It used to be $5 million per person, and it's been indexed for inflation. But they pretty much took the $5 million and doubled it to $10 million. And so the $10 million became $11.7. Um, but we're seeing, you know, we do some business valuation work at Sickage, do quite a bit of that. And we're seeing some some people looking to maybe do some gifts of, of uh, closely held stock and things to, to possibly take advantage of you know, this higher exemption because there could be a concern that the estate tax, you know, uh, would go down. The, the exemption amount would go down, which means you would owe, owe more estate tax. So so it's going to be a pretty busy next couple months here, you know, with all the um, the potential, you know, for, for changes. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of money being spent, of course, as well, the government 
So how do we how are we going to repay these debts, right? So higher higher tax rates, mm-hmm. higher taxes in general. So so that's certainly something that I'm expecting a lot more discussions about, particularly after the election. Is should I be doing some gifting or, or that type of thing? So so we'll be busy. Short answer is probably yes, Glenn. I'm just yes. good thing good thing they haven't talked about uh, Biden hadn't talked at all about what he's going to do with taxes when <clears throat> during his campaign here. So right. <sighs> Goodness, there's going to be some good reasons to listen to Moving Iron Podcast Tax Moves Glenn Burnbaum if uh, <clears throat> if uh, things start to change here. So, yeah, there's going to be uh, plenty of stuff coming down the pike, Glenn. It's going to be uh, a rough, a rough uh, 21 might be about like 20 to 20 when you start looking at things on paper. It could be. Uh, you know, it could be real interesting. I hope not, though. 2020 is bad enough. All right, man. So let's talk about the... So you have on here 1040 instructions. What's yeah? What's that? Um, maybe just one other quick thing on the PPP. Mm-hmm. This just came out over the weekend. Is uh, we talked about that two million dollar threshold, and it appears in a filing that the SBA had that there is going to be a couple new forms, uh, 3509 form, which is going to be some sort of what's called a loan necessity questionnaire. And so no one knows. At least I don't know of anyone that knows actually what's going to be on that form, but. Presumably, it's going to address again the eligibility from the start. So there's a there's a questionnaire for for-profit borrowers. That's the 3509, and then there's going to be a questionnaire for nonprofit borrowers, 3510. Now, they're only expecting about 50,000 of these forms to be completed. So it, again, it's it's not going to you know be very many out of the over five million, but just something to be aware of that there is this new questionnaire out there. So mm-hmm. is it like did you need the money? Yes or no? Is that kind of the questionnaire? Yeah. And that's that's what the question is going to be. Is it going to be you know probably some qualitative things? Is are there going to be some quantitative things, right? Ratios and things. So, right. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, there have been some some of the instructions come out. This can kind of be somewhat of a big thing in the tax world is when they issue these drafts, and they're just drafts at this point. The the ten forty instructions or the personal tax return instructions came out last week. I think the partnership to form ten sixty five tax instructions came out the week before. Mm-hmm. Nothing really huge in there. Um, few little things about kind of a complicated thing with tracking tax bases in a partnership. Um, maybe one thing that I, I'm sure we've talked about is with uh, qualified business income and the, you know the one nine nine a deduction, the twenty percent deduction. I'm I'm saying the same thing here. Um, but basically, that a charitable donation, um, you know, that, that is made from a partnership or an S corporation, you know, some sort of flow-through entity, that this deduction, now in the new forms, the IRS is saying they're kind of agreeing with everybody, that this deduction does not reduce your qualified business income. So, a charitable. Now, this is kind of weird. It's like, why, you know, hey, wait a minute. I don't. I want a deduction, right? Typically you do, but not for this purpose, because right, the higher your qualified business income is, the higher the net income from your business is, the, the greater that 20% deduction is. So right. the IRS in 2019 on the form said, well, no, a charitable donation should actually reduce your business income. And there was a lot of a lot of strife about that. But now this year in 2020, at least in the draft version, they've, you know, you can compare these things and they've taken out that line. So fairly minor point, but um, but that was kind of a big deal. Uh, for the one nine nine eight purposes, gotcha. Um, just a reminder on the on the ten forty that this is a new thing. Is that for the first time, at least that I can recall, there's going to be a three hundred dollar, what we call above the line, 
um, deduction for charitable donations. So normally, you know, you'd have to be able to itemize your deductions, meaning you'd have to have sufficient, you know, mortgage interest, you know, state, local income taxes, and charitable donations to exceed your standard deduction, right? And then you could really deduct your donations. Well, for 2020, kind of a CARES Act thing is they said, hey, we're going to let you deduct $300 above the line. So it's basically kind of like the $250 teacher deduction. If you know people that have teachers in their family or whatever, you kind of get this deduction of $250. Well, here it's going to be kind of the same thing for donations. And it's, it's, but it's just $300. Um, so there was some thought, is it going to be $600 for a married couple? No, it's, they kind of clarified that it's just $300. So that was something that was kind of good to see in black and white, but other than that, um, instruction is pretty, pretty uneventful. But it just, it just reminds us that we're, we're coming close to the next tax season. So It's always around the corner, isn't it, Glenn? It's always around, yep. <laughs> always a deadline somewhere. So. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Well, good stuff, Glenn, as usual. Anything else you want to throw out there about this before we shut it down? I think that's, that'll cover it. All right, Glenn. So. If folks want to reach out to you and get uh, your opinion on things or just overall what Sikich can do for uh, for them, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, it's just best to call our office. Um, you know, we're still in the same place we've always been in East Peoria. Um, phone number is 309-694-4251. Um, yeah, you know, happy to talk. You, you know, you'll, you will get somebody from Sikich answering it, our receptionist there, but then it, it'll, you know, forward on to me if I'm if I'm working from home or wherever I'm at, so it'll forward to my cell phone. So be happy to talk to anyone. So. Right on. Well, Glenn, it's always a pleasure, man. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you'll find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast as they drop. Also, check out movingironllc.com for the latest information about the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, January 20 through 22. Um, there will be a whole litany of good speakers and, and things going on there, so check that out. Also, all the information there how to register for the meeting as well as book rooms. Check out Global Ag Network and the great podcasters there. Um, check out the Global Farm, the Dryline Farmer podcast, and all the Brent and Landon as they uh, as they do their their comedy routine here through the uh, through the day. Keep you guys entertained and as you uh, are out in the combine or wherever you might be. So, with that, I am Casey Seymour with Glenn Birnbaum. Let's go move some iron, folks. Out. You'll find us here